Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I am joined again by producer Corey. Once again, though, this episode is brought to you by our good friends at Props.Cash. You can sign up for 25% off your first month with code Delera25. Props.Cash is an absolutely instrumental tool to my betting process. They have the charts, they have the actual line, where the line has moved on a particular player's prop. They even have their own set of projections for you to bounce your thoughts off of and kind of keep it kind of keep some tabs on you know am i a little bit too high on this is this spot a little is this spot a little hairy is there a reason why this line is so low so those are all tools that are included in your package of props.cash get it right now while the nfl playoffs are still going on while we have the nba college basketball as well and of course the nhl so you got to get some puck in there too plenty of sports plenty of access and you can get that for 25 percent off your first month with code Delara 25. Um, Producer Corey, how are we doing? I mean, it is a a big RIP day for the NFC East. Before we get into the NBA schedule, I've got one bet that I have to get out there for you guys, but uh, we got to, we have to bury the Eagles and the Cowboys right now as, as our, as fans, you know, sorry, I'm out of breath. I was dancing on graves all weekend into Monday. (laughs) Whew, I'm winded. Well, hey, um, uh, insert that. Uh, what was it like? The one where the like, the guys like carrying the the funeral thing, the coffin. Oh yeah, we need that. Yeah, bring that, that fucking meme back. <laughs> um, just a beautiful, beautiful weekend of football. The Dallas Cowboys are still the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott still sucks. Um, you can go back to episodes of even a former podcast where those words come out of my mouth and they ring true today. <laughs> Um, you crushed the Eagles it. are just banged up, but that feels great. Yeah, yeah. I'm basically like I can see the future. Yeah, I mean, I feel good about the fact as a Giants fan that uh, Kelsey has retired or he's announced his retirement. So you know, uh, guy was amazing, great player, good podcast. Um, I've listened to it a, a handful of times. I'm just but. happy there's some cracks in the foundation <laughs> of the Eagles there because I was worried about you know the D word. Yeah, I, none of that. They were looking so good for a while that yeah. I was like, oh shit, I was like, like oh, man, this is a tough. Are we one. gonna ever have like breathing room here? I know, my, um, but my, it looks like uh, you know things are looking up. We yeah. have we have some obvious room for improvement on our side, <laughs> uh, but it seems much less daunting knowing that both the Eagles and especially the Cowboys are fallible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those spots where it's it's kind of set up a surprising rest of the playoffs, at least in the NFC, with, you know, Dallas getting upset, the Eagles getting upset, um, and you know, it, it should be, it should be fun throughout the rest of the playoffs. But the one bet that I wanted to get over to you guys is, uh, I was looking at it myself. I was like, this is going to be disgusting. And then I saw that our good friend, Brandon Anderson is on it as well. Um, but I'm taking the, uh, Green Bay Packers plus 10 in this spot. Look, uh, I'm using a lot of the stats that Brandon's got because you know, I, he's the guy for this. He's the guy for NFL. I want to be able to give out an NFL pick for you guys to take. I know that that's something that you guys are often looking for. Um, So you got to follow him. But look, the Packers offense has been awesome. They're number two in offensive DVOA since week nine. So Jordan Love's looked amazing. Um, So I know my buddies, uh, AJ and John, they've got their PSA. uh, They're like PSA nine, Jordan Love, 
a silver auto prism card. So if anybody wants that, you hit them up uh, hit right, right in the comments. Somebody will take a look for that, and then we can make a deal happen. But we'll take a finder's fee. Um, but with that, look, the 49ers defense, it's been a little bit beatable. The Packers have been able to generate, like, get enough time for Jordan Love. So I think if they have that, they should be able to score. They might be able to hang with the San Francisco 49ers here. Plus 10 is a lot of points. San Francisco, they've got that day. They've got the week off. They haven't really played like a super tough game since the Ravens on Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas night rather. And they got smoked. So this is this is a big test for them, I think. And I think that plus 10 after coming off such a big win uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, it's a good spot to back Green Bay at plus 10. Um, <clears throat> Corey, what do you th- do? You have any thoughts on who's going to win the Super Bowl right now, or like what do you think our matchups are going to be, or you know, wh- yeah, what are we thinking? Yeah, I do. Um, not the Cowboys and not the Eagles, baby. <laughs> Woo! Let's go, let's go. I don't give a flying fuck who wins the Super Bowl now. I truly don't care, and I'm just gonna sit back, lay out prop bets till my thumbs hurt for the next couple for the next round and then the Super Bowl. That's all I'm going to do. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's also gonna, I just got to stop doing parlays. It's going to be a lot of fun. I tried to fucking over under parlay like every game and I came so close so many times. My uh my aunt and uncle got me a set of dice and the dice are hilarious. They are like you roll them and it says like home team, away team, under, over, money line against the spread. <laughs> like it's like Yahtzee but for betting. Um so you know, that maybe that's what you need for for betting this weekend. Maybe. Um but look, I I do think that, you know, the NFL playoffs are going to be fun. Uh, but at the end, at the end of the day, there's a lot fewer games. And what that means is there's, there's plenty more time for betting on the NBA. And right now it's, it looks like it might be breaking rapidly, but it sounds like the Raptors and the Pacers are generating a lot of action on a trade for centered around Pascal Siakam for Bruce Brown and draft picks. Uh, according to Shams Sharina, uh, we are looking at a trade that includes a package of Bruce Brown, other salaries, and three first round draft picks. This to me is like shocking, not because this trade is happening, but the draft picks. I wonder how protected they are. And also, I wonder if they now have any assurances uh, from Pascal Siakam that he is going to resign or he is going to sign an extension upon being uh, upon the trade really being executed. So definitely a <clears throat> definitely a fascinating situation here um and I think that it's one to definitely monitor. It absolutely makes the Pacers a much more um a much more uh, dynamic offense here. Um you get to pair Pascal Siakam with Tyrese Halliburton uh who's one of the best point guards in the NBA. Can't even say just young point guards anymore, just flat out one of the best point guards in the NBA. Um, I do wonder if the Raptors are going to try to retool from there. I would imagine that Bruce Brown might get moved for more draft picks. Bruce Brown is the type of player who is... You know he's great. Uh, he he played a huge role for the Denver Nuggets uh, last season in their championship run. And the way that his contract is structured, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him reaching uh, some level of free agency here, um, due to the due to the way that the options are. So I do think that there's definitely some room for or wiggle room there for the uh, Toronto Raptors to kind of acquire a, you know, another asset for him. The big thing here is that, look, Brown is making $22 million and he has a team option for next season at $23 million. Bruce Brown is not necessarily 
a $23 million player. Maybe the way that the cap is, sure. But I think that the way this contract becomes valuable is if he's moved to a team that could use him immediately this season, potentially use the contract next year in a trade um, and, you know, or, you know, or and try to find some value there. It wouldn't surprise me to see Bruce Brown being rerouted to another team relatively rapidly, uh, given the fact that Toronto trading Siakam to me seems like a move where you are resetting. I know that, you know, having a lineup of, Emmanuel quickly, uh, Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, potentially Bruce Brown um, is interesting, right? But I think that Bruce Brown makes much more sense as a new asset uh, trying to get either another young player, um, not that Bruce Brown's particularly old, but I do think that there's another move that's going to be on the market there. Uh, Bruce Brown, I know a lot of teams don't want to go above the second apron next season, but this year would be a good move. To I think it's a good abil- opportunity to be able to include Bruce Brown in a trade. There's a lot of teams that have contracts that could be similarly situated. It's a super valuable contract because it could potentially come off your books next year or if you want to opt in it's one that you can keep so uh i know the knicks had been meeting with bruce brown uh you know there were a list of teams that had met with bruce brown the knicks were one of them and some of the conversations about that were like well would you move fournier and grimes for bruce brown uh and maybe kind of structure it that way um so definitely curious to see exactly how this goes um but I wouldn't be surprised by another move. What I think for the Indiana Pacers, I think that they our bets look a lot better on them for their over on their win total to move forward in the Eastern Conference. I think that it makes, um, <clears throat> I think that makes them a little bit more of a legit contender. Uh, you have a guy who is playoff tested. You have a guy who can create for himself. He can create for others, um, and that should dramatically help this offense uh, and make it a little bit less of a load on Tyrese Halliburton. And I think that it's going to create a dynamic pick and roll partner for Tyrese to work with, considering that they both are versatile players. Um, I also think that Siakam's spacing will work out pretty well with Miles Turner. So I'm definitely excited to see how this iteration of the Indiana Pacers turns out, um, especially if this deal can go down. Uh, I, I, I really do think that this would be a lot of fun. I think that we would probably see a lot more of uh of Jarris Walker, um, and and that's definitely a good thing for Indiana. He's he's really shown some flashes of brilliance uh, so far throughout his rookie season, and it's definitely a spot where um, Indiana did not want to move him for Siakam. Uh, so that's why I'm wondering if these picks, I would imagine they're unprotected, or I, rather I'd imagine that they're protected um, considering the fact that uh, – you know, there seems to be multiple trades belonging, you know, or multiple picks potentially in this trade. So fascinated by it. Uh, I do think, though, that it's very notable when we look at the NBA schedule, right, coming up. Uh, it's something that we have to take notice of. So <clears throat> this trade is being worked on uh, right now as we're recording. This is about nine o'clock on Tuesday evening. Uh, Eastern time on January 16th. Uh, The Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors don't play for a couple more days. Uh, So the Raptors play on Thursday, January 18th, and the Pacers play on Thursday, January 18th as well. So the thing that's interesting here is depending on when the trade goes through, they could both be undermanned, particularly 
the Indiana Pacers if they're trading if they're sending out Bruce Brown. The Raptors I think would be relatively okay. They're obviously going to be without Siakam, but I think that would give a boost to R.J. Barrett, Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel quickly just right off the bat. But for Indiana, not having potentially not having Bruce Brown is an interesting pivot especially without Tyrese Halliburton it probably means a couple more minutes for Nemhard. it probably means a couple more minutes for TJ McConnell maybe they'll finally actually play a little bit more of Benedict Matherin but honestly I'm I'm not totally sure given the fact that he seems to be stuck in this like 20 22 minute rotation even without Halliburton um, so it's definitely something to monitor especially considering that the Pacers play that's a front end of a back-to-back and they play again on the Friday uh, so I'm very interested to see how the how it kind of works out for them in the schedule. But those are just a couple things to monitor, and I wanted to make sure that we were talking about that at least to start off the episode since that news is kind of just breaking right about now. Um, <clears throat> the thing here is obviously if he just does an extension or you know resigns this summer, then it's you know it's it's a big it's obviously a big risk, but. Uh, for Indiana, but you know maybe there's some protections on the pick. I- I'm not 100 percent sure, but we'll we'll have to see. It's a developing story right now, but this is what we've got right now. So, um, looking at the <clears throat> the Wednesday NBA slate, let's talk about some of our bets here. Uh, the first pick that we are looking at is. You know, look, Jalen Brunson's been out for a bit, and the big thing for the New York Knicks, so they're three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Houston Rockets. Um, Jalen Brunson's questionable with that calf injury that he's missed the past couple of games, um, but they also are potentially going to be without Josh Hart, who also popped on the injury report as questionable. So those are a couple things to monitor. I think that if Hart doesn't play, we probably see an uptick in Brunson's assists here. Uh, I think that Hart kind of operates as a great wheelman. Maybe we see a couple more minutes from Quentin Grimes, who has been kind of been shopped around. So I'm curious to see if maybe this is a way to get him a couple more minutes. Ultimately, if Jalen Brunson doesn't play, we have to look at Miles McBride threes against this uh, against this um, Houston Rockets defense. Uh, the thing, though, here that I'm looking at is I like Jalen Brunson to go over his six and a half assists. That's a prop that's currently available, um, even though the rest of the team is kind of uh, they're not releasing prop lines specifically because of the fact that Brunson and Hart are on the report. Speci- more importantly, Brunson, though. Um, Brunson is over this line of six and a half assists in five of six games with OG Ananobi. And more importantly, it's really without Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett. So we're seeing his usage. Uh, we're seeing him uh, dish more. We're seeing him on ball more. And what was immediately evident when he was not playing over these past couple of games is that Julius Randle cannot run the offense properly. And in, and it, it kind of, put a light on, put a spotlight on Jalen Brunson's specific impact. So in this spot against the Houston Rockets, I think that it's a really good opportunity for him to kind of shine uh, is and really show off that facilitating. I think that he's been able to watch from the sidelines, you know, watch the film, see what's going on without him on the floor and how the offense is kind of bogged down a bit. Um, and they've been close you know, they've played some good games here without him, but at the same time, 
the offense just does not run nearly as smoothly. And I think that he's going to want to kind of reinstill that confidence, reinstill that offensive flow in the rest of his teammates. So I really do like him to go over the six and a half assists. I don't mind playing a little bit of eight plus two. You probably gra- you're, you're going to be able to grab that at a plus number. Um, and especially if this moves, I'm still comfortable at that, like over seven and a half. So I know that the Rockets have been a pretty good defense um, over the course of the season, but they, you know, they're, it, they're still susceptible to a lead guard such as Jalen Brunson kind of taking over and facilitating the offense for a team that's been as consistent and as good as the New York Knicks. Um, additionally, one of the other angles, you know, that I kind of wanted to look at from this specific game is we've been really tackling uh <clears throat> We've been crushing on Isaiah Hartenstein props. Um, they keep setting his rebounds line at like 10 and a half, 11 and a half, um, and he's smoking it every game. Uh, Houston, I think, is a particularly tough matchup for him with, uh, you know, with obviously with Jabari Smith, but mainly with Alperin's Shangoon. Um, I think that's a very tough matchup for him. Uh, I think that stylistically, they kind of play. Um, I don't want to say call them similar games, but I think that physically uh, they match up pretty well with each other. So I do think this is a tougher matchup for him. I will say, though, that over the last two weeks, Houston has been fundamentally like relatively bad. They're three and five with a minus five point eight net rating. Uh, they have a one eleven point five offensive rating and they have a 117.3 defensive rating per rating per cleaning the glass. So those are pretty significant downturns compared to the Knicks five and two plus 17.2 point differential second best defense in the league. Um, I really realistically I'm looking to back the Knicks here, but I need to know that one of Jalen Brunson or Josh Hart are playing in this game. Both of them are so important to New York success that I don't feel comfortable laying three and a half points, um, you know, in this spot without, without having that level of assurance there. Um, so that's, that's exactly the way that I'm looking in that game. So I'm looking at the Knicks. I'm looking at Brunson over his assists. I'm looking at McBride threes. If Brunson doesn't play and I'm looking at, uh, what was I saying? And I'm looking at, um, Isaiah Hartenstein rebounds a little bit, like a little bit loosely, but uh, it's really going to depend on where exactly the line is. So fascinating matchup, excited for it. Uh, The next play and the next game that I'm looking at is I'm looking at the Atlanta Hawks versus the Orlando Magic. And the play in particular that I'm looking at, and this is disgusting. This is absolutely disgusting. This is not one of those bets that like you see, you're going to see this and you're going to vomit like you are going to hear it. You're going to be disgusted by it. It just is what it is. But Trey Young over two and a half rebounds. Um, I'm I have him closer to three and a half, honestly. And that's generally where his line has been over the course of the season. Uh, he's averaging three point one rebounds per game. I know that this matchup against Orlando is tough. Um, and it's not a matchup that you would particularly think is like a good one for grabbing rebounds with, you know, some of their guards they've got, you know, obviously they have, you know, they have Cole Anthony, they have Jalen Suggs, uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, they have great rebounding guys like Paolo. Uh, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. has been playing on and off. They are missing Franz Wagner, though. They are missing Gary Harris. Uh, and given some of that, right, I think that it presents an interesting opportunity for 
Trey Young. The line, in my opinion, is just a little bit low, and they've actually given up rebounds to guards. Uh, we've seen over the past couple of weeks, uh, Miles McBride went over his total. Shea went over his. Carson Wallace went over his. Mike Conley went over his. Trey even had four in their previous matchup on January 7th. His line was at three and a half, and he had four. Um, so I know that it's it's a little bit disgusting, but at the same time, it's it's still a good spot. I think the line is just a touch too low at the two and a half, even though we're getting this at a juice number. Um, part of what my thought is for why, you know, for why this kind of happened, um, when we one of the things that I like to look at for rebounding numbers um, is when I look at teams, I like to look at their rebounding chances. So Trey, over the course of this season, he's averaged in two games, four rebounds on seven rebounding chances per game against the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I think this is actually, this is great for him. And Trey is over this line, though, still in five of his last six games against Orlando. He's had four rebounds in each game. Uh, so I, to me, the move down is a little bit surprising um, given, you know, given what he's been able to do against this team. I would say that when we look at maybe the more recent game uh, and we see the rebounding chances, you're once again seeing four on eight rebounding chances. So to me, the two and a half is just a little bit too low. I think that it's overselling the fact that um, Orlando is traditionally a good rebounding team. They're a strong defensive team, but I I think that ultimately um, Trey is going to be able to grab a couple rebounds here, and the two and a half is just a spot too low, uh, in my opinion. In you know for this game, so I like Trey to go over two and a half rebounds here. I'm projecting him basically a full rebound higher than that. So to me, this line is just too low, even at the juice number of minus one forty. One of the other players that I've talked about and the other games that you know I'm curious to see is the Utah Jazz versus the Golden State Warriors. Uh, look, Draymond Green is back. I got to tell you, the Warriors are not, they just have not been a good basketball team this season. Um, on the course, over the course of the season, the Warriors are, uh, they're they're barely in the playoffs. Or they're might actually they're not even in the playoffs right now. They're 18 and 22. They have the 18th ranked adjusted net rating. The offense is okay, 117.4, but the defensive rating is uh, uh, the adjusted defensive rating is 117.4 as well. So we're kind of seeing some decimals at play here. But uh that's ranked 23rd in the NBA. I know they've missed Draymond Green a lot this season. Um, and those minutes are you know, the minutes without him and the minutes, you know, Curry definitely plays better with him. But when we look at what Golden State is doing, they do seem like a team that's like a little washed, honestly. And you hate to say it, but when you look at what their players are doing on court, Steph Curry continues to have a negative point differential over the course of the season, minus 2.7. Draymond Green, minus 6.2. Clay Thompson, minus 6.4. Kevon Looney, minus 5.4. Andrew Wiggins, minus 14.2. The players that have been good are their bench players. Chris Paul, plus 10.5. Gary Payton, the second, so he's not even playing right now, but plus 9.1. Uh, Jackson Davis, plus 6.8. And uh, our, our good guy, Brandon Podzimski, uh, plus 6.4. Sarich, plus 2.7. Kaminga, plus 2. So when we look at the Golden State Warriors, the, the starters are just not getting the job done. And... It, like the, I think the belief in them is because of the names 
on those jerseys, not because of what's being actually put on the court. And the Warriors have just been fundamentally bad over the course of the season. They have not been able to get it going. And even when Draymond has played, because of Kerr's reluctance, Coach Kerr's, that is, Coach Kerr's reluctance to, you know, basically fuck around with the lineups, um, they're sitting, they're running out these lineups that really just are requiring Curry to do way too much. Um, And nobody else can really create. uh, Nobody else can really score on their own. Nobody can create their own shot. And the defense is looking like a sieve. So the Warriors are problematic right now. And when Curry is not playing at like an all NBA, all world level, um, MVP level, even the team really is struggling to succeed. Now they're playing a Utah jazz team who, you know, they struggle to start the season, but they've been awesome over the last, you know, 16 games. Actually, they're 13 and three over their last 16. And we have seen them climb up the uh the rankings right so over the course of the season they're still minus 1.6 in adjusted net however when we look at what they've been able to do more recently right uh, the team is obvi- the team has obviously been a lot better. A lot of this has to do with the fact that Laurie Markinen missed a bunch of time, and over the last two weeks in particular, they're seven and one plus eight point eight net rating, the number three offense in the league at one twenty six point three. They're going to be able to score, I think, pretty easily against the Golden State Warriors. One player, like I mentioned, uh, that's really kind of coincided with this and this evolution and the strength, right, for this Utah Jazz team is Laurie Markinen. And the big thing with Laurie is that he has a plus 11.9 point differential on the season. Um, he's averaging 24.2 points, 9.2 rebounds, 2.6 assists per game with 3.2 threes made. Um this matchup against the Warriors, I think, is particularly interesting, uh, especially based on the fact that they've set his rebounds line again at 8.5. Um, so let's look at this a little bit more. When we look at this win streak, right? Over the last 15 games, he's had 9.3 rebounds on 13.6 rebound chances, going over this 8.5 line in 11 of 15 since the Jazz kind of started on this streak, right? When we look at this even closer over the more recent history, uh, he's had in six games in a row, he's had nine plus. He's had 11.2 rebounds on 15.7 rebounds per rebound chances per game. So we're seeing these numbers go upwards. Um, Additionally, you know, the Warriors, decent rebounding team. They're at the end of the day, though, they're middle of the pack in rebounds allowed per 100 possessions. And having Draymond back, I think it helps the defense. More so than it like overall in theory, um, than it does, you know, the rebounding rate. He's not the biggest body. He's not like, you know, he'll go and grab some rebounds, but that's not really like his bread and butter. Um, so I do still like Lori to go over this eight and a half line. Uh, additionally, when we look at the spot, right, uh, it, it's, it's a pretty good opportunity for him, uh, given the fact that. The Warriors, they still play at the 13th fastest pace in the league. The Jazz play at the 10th fastest. Should be a relatively up-tempo game. So I think we should see more opportunities here for both of these teams to kind of capture uh, capture some additional rebounds, especially, especially because when we look at Utah, 
they kind of bring up the pace, uh, not so much from their offense, but from their defense. And their defense is the third shortest defensive possession length. Uh, so I do think it's a spot where, you know, Golden State's going to be able to get out and transition maybe a bit. Uh, and, you know, maybe we'll see a couple faster possessions here where Laurie can kind of go over and grab and grab these rebounds here. So I do like him to go over the eight and a half in this spot. Um, I'm projecting him closer to like nine and a half. So I think we like, again, we have a little bit more clearance here. I don't mind betting the double double again, like we did the other day to kind of reduce some of the juice here. Um, Additionally, I think that, you know, even though Draymond's back, I think the jazz minus four and a half still seems like a pretty good bet. Um, It's, it's an interesting spot. I think that it's normally one of those spots where you'd say like, oh man, like we're going to lay with Utah against the Warriors. But look, the Warriors, they just dropped the game to the Memphis Grizzlies. And I know that you can talk about bounce back. You can talk about the spot, talk about whatever. Um, they, uh, to me, that it's showing more of a signal that they're washed, like they're cooked right now um, than anything else. And I'm very concerned for the Golden State Warriors moving forward. The last game that I want to talk about <clears throat> is the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Bucks won this matchup earlier in the season, 119 to 111 back on December 29th. So about a month ago, not even, right? Um, the thing about this game that happened before was crazy. Look, uh, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, both are going to be missing this game still. They missed that game then. The biggest change is that the Bucks really have nobody on the injury report. Jay Crowder has been uh, declared that he's going to play. Crowder has been playing, had played some meaningful minutes for the Milwaukee Bucks prior to, you know, missing the last two due to having to get like an abdominal surgery. Uh, and when we look at what he was doing, he was playing about 28 minutes a game in the eight full games that he played, averaging like nine points or so a game. Uh, I think he's going to provide an immediate boost for this team, not only from the offensive perspective, because the Bucs don't need too much more offensive help, but from like a toughness and tenacity perspective. Uh, he's another big body on the wing that you can kind of throw at some guys, I, and he should be rested. Kind of provides just another boost, right? The big thing here is that the Bucks have been extremely susceptible to point guard play uh, on opposing point guards, opposing lead guards. And they allowed, when these teams played previously, they allowed Donovan Mitchell to score 34 points against them. The thing that's interesting, though, when we look at what Donovan Mitchell's shot profile was in that game, he was 14 for 23 from the field, 2 for 10 from 3. Uh, and the Cavs overall really, really struggled from three-point range in that game. 6 for 43. I'll do the math. That's 14% for you. Atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. The one thing that was fascinating when we look at this game, right? The Bucks got to the free throw line at will. They outscored the uh the Cleveland Cavaliers 25 to 7 from the free throw line. Um, they out-rebounded Cleveland, but they had 17 turnovers compared to Cleveland just having eight. So it's definitely that's kind of where this game wound up playing out. The Bucks made 12 threes on 29 attempts compared to the Cavs six for 43. Um, and then they, but they just crushed them from the free throw line as well. And, you know, they only won 119 to 111, but I think from a, 
game plan perspective, right? That this is kind of what Milwaukee is able to do. They can kind of defend you on the three point line itself, but they do struggle. You know, they kind of are allowing you to get into that mid range jumper. So that's a shot that Mitchell can take obviously very well. Um, and I think it's a shot that he's going to probably have to continue to take in this matchup. So I like Donovan Mitchell to go over his points line. It's probably going to be like 28 and a half, 29 and a half. I think that it's still a good spot, especially when you consider the volume that he should see. And the fact that, uh, you know, he should see a slight amount of regression. Uh, if he does get 10 more threes up, he should be able to probably make three at least, uh, if not four in this matchup. Uh, so it, it's definitely an angle that I'm looking at. When we look at the teams overall, though, Milwaukee has been better but not that much better. Um, so over the course of the whole season, according to Dunks and Threes, the Bucks are slightly better in adjusted net. They're ninth. They're plus 3.4. Cleveland, plus 2.4. They're in 10th. The big thing has been their defense, and they've been doing this with Evan Mobley out, Jared Allen out, um, Darius Garland out, and the defense is still kind of maintained. Um, I have some reservations in this spot considering that Milwaukee's healthy both of these teams are relatively rested too but you know Cleveland did just come back from that Paris game so I do wonder you know if there is a little bit of jet lag like if they're going to be a little bit tired still um, what the circumstances are I lean Milwaukee here even though they're going to be playing this game on the road um, and Look, four, four, four and a half points. Uh, you're laying a little bit over a possession. When Budenholzer was the coach, this was an auto bet. You were just taking this all the time. The Bucks destroyed their divisional opponents. But with Adrian Griffin at the helm, it's a little bit different. However, I think that having Jay Crowder back, um, having the level of offense that they have um, and being able to get to the free throw line is going to be so critical for Milwaukee in this game. I know that... Uh, Cleveland should kind of regress to the mean in terms of what their shooting performance was, at least, you know, comparing app, like comparing these games to each other. But at the end of the day, I think it's still a very tough spot for Cleveland to kind of score to keep up with this Milwaukee team. The Bucks defense has been slowly improving as the seasons progressed. Uh, they're, they're not in the bottom of 10. They're at 16th now of 116.5. Having Jay Crowder back probably helps a little bit more on the rent on the perimeter. Um, and you know, playing a little bit of man doing a little bit of uh doing a little bit more of that dirty work on the defensive side of the ball so i do like milwaukee laying four four and a half and i'll grab them in this game against the cleveland cavaliers so that's our look at the wednesday nba slate i do want to talk about one other play and that is going to be joel Embiid against the charlotte hornets so the that game is on uh it's coming up next uh, this Saturday, right? So they have a back-to-back -back set. They play the Magic on Friday, the Hornets on Saturday. This is a, he's played now, he's playing right now while we're recording this. He played uh, the first game against the, who did they play? Against the Houston Rockets, and then they played the Denver Nuggets immediately after uh, in Philadelphia. Um, now they play the Magic on Friday, the Hornets on Saturday. So it's a lot of games, a lot of days, but I think that he still wants to maintain some level of eligibility for the MVP award. Wouldn't surprise me if he did sit, if he sat against the Magic, played against the Hornets. He has smoked the Hornets throughout his career. Um, just absolutely crushed them uh, with some monster, monster games. Uh, so... Look, this is, I think that this is a great spot for him. Uh, he's continued to dominate. And 
against the Hornets, he scored 42, 38, and 53 in the last two seasons against them. This is a spot that I don't think he's going to want to miss. It's a great opportunity for him to just absolutely ball out. So wouldn't surprise me to see him crush whatever his points line is, uh, even if he doesn't play in the fourth quarter. So that's definitely an angle that I'm looking at. And I think it's also notable to talk about the fact that Tyrese Maxey has actually played better with Joel Embiid. Uh, he sees his points go up. He sees his assists per game go up to 26.3 points and 6.9 assists per game. So if Embiid does sit in one of these games coming up against the Magic or the Hornets, granted, the Magic is a little bit more of a reasonable expectation for Maxey to struggle than the Hornets. Um, but if Embiid does sit, Maxi sees a downturn in both his points and his assist numbers. Um, while while we look at a guy like Tobias Harris and we see him have a significant uptick when he plays without Joel Embiid, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the offense is or the defense is so focused on Tyrese Maxi that they're able to stop him a little bit better. Plus, he has a pretty good pick and roll game, two man game with Joel Embiid to kind of get on some of those extra assists there. Uh, so those are two of the angles that I'm looking at. If Embiid does sit, I'll probably be looking at it to Tobias Harris, maybe a points over um, or points and assists over. He's averaging 21.8 points, 6.3 rebounds, 3.7 assists per game compared to 16.6 points, 6.1 rebounds, and 2.9 assists per game with Joel Embiid. Uh, so those are a couple of the things that I'm looking at there for the for the upcoming week and a couple of the different angles. Um, and that should take you to next week. And it takes us to our time where we ask producer Corey how he's doing today. I'm itchy as fuck. What happened? What'd you eat? I've been scratching like a crack addict out here. <laughs> um, no, I got allergy shots today. Ugh. Just. You still gotta get those. I get real itchy. How how long have you been having allergy shots? Started in June. So, oh, so you start you started as an adult. Yeah. Do they help? It was. We'll find out. Can you? So far, I feel no different. Can you take like Zizol? What's your What's your drug of choice? Are you an Allegra guy? It's Allegra. Yeah. Allegra D in the in the months of spring. Allegra doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't do anything for me, honestly. Claritin used to be the best. Yeah. They made it over the counter and it sucked. They nerfed it. They nerfed it. <laughs> yeah. When it dissolved in your tongue, you knew it was working. Oh, I was like, oh, this thing's great. Um, and like whatever I they did. Those days. That was just such an elite form of medication too. Like the dissolvable tab. So so easy. So quick. I don't know why nothing else is like that. You would think. There's got to be something to it. Yeah. I don't know. It was fucking awesome. Um, what do you think? So wait, so you, are you getting, you don't have allergies now though. It's the winter. No, I have to get them. I'm, it's an immunity thing mm. to try to make myself more immune to these things. And so far I'm still just itching like crazy. So no change here. Well, I hope it works out for you. Fucking science. <laughs> um, what do you got for us for pods and recs today? All right. So last night I thought I knew what I wanted for dinner while I was at a restaurant. My my recommendation is to always listen to the specials. Oh. I I had a game plan and I had to pivot immediately. They had this ridiculous salmon dish that came with shrimp, capers, olives, a potato croquette, fire. What do so you, you may have made up your mind when you sit down at the table, but always <laughs> consider the specials. What do you think about um 
specials? Like, do you think that they're doing the special because they want to test something out? Like the chef is wants to do There's something. Plenty of reasons. Or like, or is it that they're trying to get rid of some food that might go oh, bad? All of the above. That salmon <laughs> was probably about to turn, but I got my hands on it before it did, and I was loving it. That's the thing. That's um, my always. That's always my concern. But I mean, it obviously has to still be like good. Yeah, don't worry. Like they're pushing it because they know it's going to turn. It's still good. Yeah. If it wasn't, they would put the fish in a stew. Don't eat that. Don't eat stew. Don't eat a fish stew special. No. Uh, that sounds that sounds like a problem for a million reasons. That's dicey. Don't do yeah, that. No, I'm out. I'm out on that. Uh, I do. Yeah. I do like a good special though. I love like the thing that drives me nuts and like I'm not that I'm like a stickler on the pricing. I hate seeing things on the menu that say market price not that it's not like an i can't afford it thing it's an like i just don't want i hate that because like sometimes like i'm looking for bang for your buck and like if you see like a steak that's market price or something like that i'm like well like what the fuck does that mean like what i can't imagine there's that much fluctuation in the steak market price yeah you can write it down like just put it on the i understand i think it's just a way to charge like thirty dollars more than they should yeah, they can be like, oh, we need like X amount to make our nut this week. Guess what the market price of the steak is now? Yeah. I went out um, to I went to a restaurant. It was uh I think it was like a summer and a half ago. And like everything on the menu was like forty bucks or so. And you're like, all right, that's like normal. Steak market price. I figured I was like maybe sixty, right? Because it was like steak with like a chimichurri sauce. So I was like, all right, like it's not like they're giving me like fucking Wagyu or like Kobe beef or like whatever. I think it was ninety-five dollars right. for like a twelve-ounce piece of steak. Ouch! And I was like, I'm not even. I'm still hungry. <laughs> like, that's not good. Was not happy with that. Was not happy with that. Yeah, beware of market price, but definitely pay attention to the specials. Um, but also, you know, they could run you up to like sixty bucks because they're not going to tell you how much the special costs. Yeah, and it's tacky to ask. So but, you kind of just got to go with it. But if I think it sounds that's okay. like you need it. I get think, it. I think that's okay though. Yeah. Like, because if the specials always, the special, I do think you get more bang for your buck. Like, I think that you oh, get sure. like a better, I think you get a better like entree or like larger portion. Yeah. Cause they're like, we got to move this. So, like, here you go. Yeah. It's usually like made to order and they're pushing as much of it as they can out the door. Yeah. It's so, it's great. If you're there at the end of the night and there's a lot of fucking fish laying around, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have a big old dish. You're going to get, you're going to get a lot of food. You need a lot of food. Yeah. Um, let's see. My recommendation is a couple of things. Number one, I've gotten so much snow lately. Did you get snow? I got snow, like a ton of snow again. Um, like, a, like three inches. We have more ice problems here. Yeah. I think we got like six inches, honestly. Um, some Congrats. people would, some people would say these are the same, but you know, it's what it is. Um, so look, I, I cannot recommend salting enough. Like you need to salt, like season your driveway. Like, you know, like if Gordon Ramsay was there and like, he was telling you to like, Before, you know, you during guys, and after. Yeah. Like you got to keep salting and it has made my life. It's honestly, my wife is the one that wanted to do this. She was like, you need to keep salt. I was like, why do we have to keep salting? I was like, we just salt like twice. Uh, before and after but she's like a major proponent of the midday shovel like the mid snow shovel and it's honestly made things it's made things so much easier (laughs) like it's it's great so you don't strain yeah man back Back when we used to actually get snow yeah i wouldn't let more than three inches pile up before i did my first pass just because if you wait and it's a doozy you're out there for hours and you're praying for sweet death because it is heavy as fuck 
That's what about I'm an saying. hour and a half in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So luckily, this one was real powdery, fresh pow. So it was nice. Oh, nice. Um, you know, it Light, was good. Fluffy. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so it, was, it wasn't really a bad experience, but the salting made it exponentially better. So I'm going to recommend that. Um, I'm also going to recommend. Um, I'm going to recommend kimchi. It's that time of the year where I like have kimchi like a little bit more often. I think um, it's been about eight months since you've said this. Yeah, I haven't talked about kimchi in a while. Um, mm-hmm. actually did make my own kimchi the other day. So that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, it, for anybody that's curious, this was what I did. It was very simple. Actually, I took cucumbers to cucumbers, like the little baby cucumbers, sliced them up, cut them in, cut them like in half. And then like, you know, like kind of down the way, uh, you can quarter them if you want. Uh, they just you- cooking TikTok. We'll go through all the variations yeah. of cutting it. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like salt, pepper, garlic, um, like the normal things, right? Uh, then I also then you got to do a little bit of what uh, rice wine, like rice vinegar. Um, do a little bit of that, and then you need to get this Korean, it, like it's this Korean like red pepper. Uh, you can't just use any red pepper or like chili powder. It's called gochugaru, and like you can't just add like you couldn't just go into like an H Mart, your local H Mart, and ask for it like without like saying like oh like i need that red korean pepper because they'd be like or that red pepper the hot red pepper flakes they'd be like the fuck are you talking about everything's hot and red and pepper like he's like so but if you ask if you ask yes for the gochugaru yes for that then do a little bit of sesame oil in there as well kind of mix it up you can let that thing sit for like 20 minutes and it's good to go like you don't need to pickle it. You don't need to bury it in your backyard and get it like months later, like eight months later since I let, uh, you know, since I buried the last thing at kimchi, um, you know, and brought it back, but you can do it yourself. It's, it's nice. So it's not bad, but also you could just go to like your store and get it. I like Wegmans brand kimchi is actually not bad if that's like available to you. Obviously, if you can get the real deal, go to H Mart, go to like your local store, support local businesses. And, uh, that's always a great opportunity as well. Dude, have I told you that there's like an H Mart headquarters like down the street from me? Shut it's the like fuck the biggest up. tease because <laughs> they don't sell anything. It's just like their corporate offices. Oh, there's nothing there. It's just the, it's just the no, offices. It's a big tease. <laughs> like I just see the sign every day when I drive home and I'm like, son of a bitch. You know what's crazy? I went to the American Dream Mall and they have an H Mart in the mall. That's an interesting place to put that. Broke my brain. Uh, and like they have like they're desperate for they're desperate for stores. Man. They have like full groceries. Like it was crazy. I was like, this is nuts. Honestly, I think that mall. I can't imagine cool. going there to buy your groceries. No, like, it's insane. You gotta pay for parking to get your groceries, and like you gotta walk <sighs> I like need a that mile. Damn Korean pepper. I gotta go to the American Dream. <laughs> Hey, look, you're right. That's at least it's an option for people. It's like, you know, stop at, uh, stop at whatever stores. That might be the closest one to where I'm living right now. Yeah. Stop at whatever stores you got to stop at. Like, yeah. Cause I think the other closest ones are like Edison. This is a, this is a very New Jersey centric topic right here for people. Um, but you know, look, you got to do my problems are your problem. Shut up. Like, I'm just telling you, if you're still listening, that's great. That's absolutely great. Um, but look, if you guys are looking for, you know, trying to figure out you know, sifting through the snow, trying to shovel and like find out like where exactly, where exactly to look. Sometimes like it takes some advanced preparation. Sometimes it takes that salting before, during and after. And what I mean by that is when you're looking at the player prop market, it takes time. Like sometimes you need to look the day before 
during the day. And then honestly, like right before tip, like you need to be looking at that, checking out the props, checking out the lines. And the best way to do that is with our good friends, props.cash. You can get 25% off your first month with code Delara 25. Make sure you sign up. It's a good way to support not only us, but it's also a good way to support yourself and make sure that you have the best information at your fingertips to be able to find those spicy picks, eh? uh, get that kimchi, order that special, and continue to cash that.